Welcome to the ATX Wealth Partners podcast, a program that addresses the needs of business owners before, during, and after they sell their company. As a business owner, you owe it to yourself and your family to know your options, be informed, and to plan early. We hope you enjoy this program, and if you have any questions, comments, or feedback on what you'd like us to cover in the future, feel free to email us at atxwealthpartners at ubs.com. Good day, everyone. This is your host, Josh Pottinger, and joining me today is my co-host and longtime business partner, Jason Georgianis. In this episode, we're going to give you a little background on our team, the work we do, and a glimpse into what we will cover in this series. So why don't we give everyone a background on the team? Josh and I each have been advisors since the mid-90s, and towards the end of 2001, beginning of 2002, we incepted our team as it stands today. In addition to our four immediate teams, as you can imagine, being the world's largest wealth management firm, there is a platform of very robust resources, too many to list off here. But I will say that a few people that with whom we collaborate very closely sit within our advanced planning group to help our clients address their estate and financial planning, as well as a fine team within our tailored lending group, whereby we will oftentimes provide liquidity to clients who oftentimes have their wealth tied up in concentrated private stock positions. You tie it all together. Our mission is just to have a positive impact on our clients' lives and, and to help them address their financial well-being in a well-orchestrated manner. We get excited about our ability to forge the right relationships within UBS as well as outside to deliver solutions for our client, whatever they may be. If we think about entrepreneurs, if we think about business owners in general, and so when we talk about business owners in general, we think of it from two different perspectives. And one, a family-owned, kind of your traditional family-owned run business. That's one. Number two is really an entrepreneur-led company. I think both of those, they're both technically business owners, but they're they have unique circumstances. And if we think about from an you know entrepreneur standpoint, you know, in most cases, the majority of their personal balance sheet is tied up in their company. That's a good thing in some cases. And it, it, but there's there is certainly an amount of risk there that they're taking on that uh, most you know traditional folks out there that that have a, a job with a larger company don't don't have. And so being the boss, they're busy tending to all the demands of the company. They've got their family. And what ends up happening is they never get around to putting together a thoughtful game plan. And we just can't, I mean, Jason, I can't stress enough as a founder, as a key stakeholder in the company, the personal planning decisions that that you're going to make 24 to say 36 months before the sale will be some of the most consequential decisions that you're going to ever make. These events, they just don't work nice and neat. Like it's just, it, it You've got to be ready. You got to make sure that you're personally ready. You got to make sure that the company is ready. And more importantly, you got to make sure that company is attractive to a potential buyer out there. And there's a lot to do. It's virtually impossible to do it all by yourself. And that's uh, that's one of the main reasons why Jason, I thought it'd be a good idea to set up a podcast series around this subject. You know, oftentimes we'll be asked, you know, what is your process? How, how is it that you worked? And, and frankly, it's, it is comprehensive. It's involved. It's certainly thoughtful. But if you sum it up and really look at the crux of what the purpose of the planning is, it's to answer five key questions. 
What do you want to accomplish in your life? What are your main concerns today? What is on the horizon in the future as far as what may or may not be concerning? What do you want your legacy to be? Who are the people that matter most to you? And how do you, in the end, how do you plan to achieve your life's vision? So when you're, when you're catering to the entirety of planning, estate planning, financial planning, cash flow planning, tax planning, investment planning, philanthropic planning, you know, think of it as like the, the Olympic rings, the, these con- concentric circles with those five key questions being in the middle, you, the client, or our clients being in the middle, everything needs to be, you know, it's kind of like the North Star. Everything needs to be pointing in that direction where the fine work being done on the estate planning side is not being mitigated or offset by the lack of attention to another wealth management component. I mean, how many times, (laughs) how many times do we meet with people where they seemingly have a fine set of estate planning documents in place Mm -hmm. and there are no signatures or seemingly fine estate planning has been drafted and they never retitled ownership into a particular entity and they still own yeah, I mean, well, it's, ABC or your XYZ in their own name. They've spent, you know, 10, 15, you know, $20,000 on this incredible estate plan and trusts haven't been set up. They haven't been funded. They're not being monitored. Beneficiaries haven't been reviewed. I mean, there's a whole host of issues there. And we're going to cover these issues over time in this podcast series that hopefully uh, some of you out there will will get some bits and pieces out of this and be able to use it and implement it and have discussions out there with your own group of of advisors that that you're working with out there. I think moving on here, I I wanted to to bring up, Jason, that I think we can be guilty of this, although we know intuitively that we need to eliminate business jargon out of our conversations with clients and what seems like normal everyday language to us, you know, to some people outside. When you, when you talk about some key concepts, like let's just talk about what's a liquidity event, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, liquidity event, what, what is that? Does that have something to do with water? No, you know, it's like, I've had this conversation with people. I mean, some really, really smart people that particularly it was a, it was a doctor. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He's in the medical world. He's not in the finance world. And when I would, when I just like, we were talking about liquidity events. He's like, what it, the heck is a liquidity event? Mm-hmm. So maybe take a stab at that. Explain in everyday language what a liquidity event is. Liquidity typically is considered assets that are readily available that are either cash or can be transitioned to cash very rapidly and easily. Stock can be sold today and converted to cash available a day or two later. Whereas a stake in one's company is illiquid, it, it maybe it is marketable, but it takes time and it's a process. And one day perhaps it's sold and converted to cash or some other type of asset. So it, it's purely assets that are readily available versus those that are not. It's hard to go shopping with a unit of a privately held company. It's not happening. Right? It's not happening. Typically. So, you know, these business owners, they work, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years on building these companies. And it's illiquid. And at some point in their life, they're going to want to monetize some or all of that position. And that's where working with a good team comes into play. So thinking about preparing for this event, this liquidity event, 
we call it pre-liquidity event planning. And if you look at UBS just did a a survey, our investor watch, and 48% of business owners out there don't have a formal exit strategy in place. And most of these business owners out there, I've seen numbers as high as 98% of, of business owners don't have a process in place to value their company on a yearly basis. It's an expensive process and it's um, it could potentially take up a lot of time. So, you know, I'm sure there's various reasons why they don't do that. But, you know, for what will be the largest asset on their personal balance sheet and the largest financial event in their life, for half of these business owners not to have some sort of exit strategy in, in place is, is unacceptable. It is. And, and take it a step further. I would say it behooves entrepreneurs, key stakeholders to – and think about, Josh, how you started it. Know your options, be informed, plan early. And, and the reason that is is it behooves those key stakeholders – to plan while their valuations are low. This is getting into topics that I'm sure we'll discuss in subsequent podcasts, but this relates to the amount of the estate tax exemption that each of us has. And the lower the valuation of the asset, the greater leverage you get out of utilizing that estate tax exemption. So really, when you get down to it, we can't take any day on this earth for granted. And what I mean by that is even if you don't have a plan, you have a plan. There's always a default plan in place, whether it's by regulators or the state or whatever the case may be. The question is, did you design it? Is your planning intentional? Is it cohesive? Or is it by default? And in the latter, it will present a whole host of issues, both known and unforeseen. Talk about the planning component here. I know you've been talking with uh, some folks in our advanced planning group, and, and I think we've got uh, one of them lined up to be one of our first guests. Yeah, Joyce Crivellari, who heads up advanced planning in Texas, a state attorney. Mm-hmm, former state attorney. Former state attorney, recruited a long time ago into UBS, probably one of the most important virtual members of our team. As far as we're concerned, we cannot even begin to talk about investments if we haven't properly addressed one's mm-hmm. estate planning and, and financial planning. But just to note, Joyce, although she's an estate attorney, she does not, nor can she, draft documents for our clients. But she'll take them down to the one-yard line so that they're very well-versed. Hey, whomever it may be, uh, you're, you founded this company. You're three years into it. You have a fantastic future ahead of you, seemingly. And here are a ballpark, a dozen planning techniques, if you will, that folks in your position oftentimes consider. And then you just work through that process. And out of, out of those 12, the four on the left, the four on the right, they might not seem appealing. Let's focus on the, the, the four in the middle. And mm-hmm. she'll take our clients down to the one-yard line so that they're well-versed. And by the time they're sitting in front of an estate attorney, they know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. And um, it's a great value add. Yeah, definitely. I, I think last thing too, as far as key concepts here, the term wealth management is one of those things that's thrown around all the time. I think most people just kind of think about wealth management as just specifically investment management. When in reality, wealth management incorporates, of course, investment management, but also incorporates wealth enhancement through investment management. It's being tax efficient in the way you're managing your portfolio. It includes wealth transfer strategies, like estate planning, like you mentioned earlier, wealth protection strategies out there to help mitigate potential risks, charitable giving for those that are inclined to incorporate philanthropy in their overall plan. That's a component of wealth management. 
And then, of course, relationship management, and that's just having a good relationship with the team that you're working with out there. If you put those components together, that's real, you know, in our opinion, legit wealth management. <laughs> yep. So. And again, all, all of those point to those five key questions. Yep. And when you get everybody rowing the same direction, it makes for a very powerful outcome. Sure. So moving on to the, the life cycle of a business owner, you know, listen, we get it. Owning and running a successful company, is it's challenging enough. And you throw in family, personal time, conferences, meetings, trade shows, the constant barrage of emails and calls. You know, sadly, those important planning activities that you've been meaning to get to, they end up on the back burner, and that's not good. And so, you know, why don't we break it down for people here to kind of think through the different phases of the life cycle of, of a business owner. Sure. And you know what, just back up a moment as I'm listening to you hear that oftentimes entrepreneurs will mention to us, hey guys, listen, if I don't take care of what I need to day to day, all of this planning is moot. I've got to make <laughs> payroll. I've got to negotiate this contract, this, that, and the other. And still we will all but force them to just set aside a few days over the course of time to make sure this this planning is in place. Because like Josh referenced earlier, nothing's linear. We don't know that we're going to sell the company in July of 2022. Sometimes when you catch that lightning in a bottle, strategics or financial sponsors will come at you a lot more quickly. And it's, uh, it behooves, as we mentioned earlier, to have this planning in place so that you can leverage it for the most that it is. So as far as it's just having a, I mean, look, I mean, God forbid something happens to you, you know, I mean, what, what, what's the family, right? What's the game plan for the family? Right. I mean, how are they going to manage all this? You know, and that's, that's where I, I think a lot of our interactions with clients really start to hit home. And, and, you know, we've had tissues pulled out in meetings with, you know, when the spouse is just so relieved to have some sort of semblance of a plan in place because they're just so nervous. And, you know, God, something happens to, you know, their spouse. They have no clue what's going to happen. And so helping clients sleep at night, I mean, that's that's bottom line, you know, helping them out. So Yep. You're asking the different phases. I mean, clearly the, the decision to sell, that that's gut-wrenching. No matter of fact, we just had a meeting recently with a client who is personally looking at, 85 to 100 million liquid. Mm-hmm. And you would think the financial side of that, the financial reward would have been reason to celebrate and high fives around the room, et cetera, et cetera. But it was his contemplation of actually stepping away in the senior role that he currently plays where he got most emotional, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a big decision and we don't want to take for granted. It's a foregone conclusion. Uh, too many times people in our position, they think, okay, the, the goal here is to build up the company and sell. Well, well, not necessarily, but if that day does come, you know, you've started the company, you've raised money, perhaps you've raised a few rounds, you're hitting your various target objectives and exceeding them, hopefully. And you'll get to the point where perhaps you may want to monetize some or all of your ownership units in the company. And ideally this decision should take place. 18 to 24 months before you begin that process. As far as the planning side, you've got a lower valuation. You're going to leverage your estate tax exemption. 
You, we're going to be able to utilize various tools to determine the strengths and weaknesses of your company and where you could possibly trade in a given range of multiples uh, for your industry. So it's a, a matter of just having a cohesive effort to figure out the timing of the sale, the family dynamics, who's important to you, why, and what do we want to do for those folks, uh, assembling the team, the bankers, the financial advisors, the tax consultants, et cetera, uh, being thoughtful as to whom the potential buyers can be, readying your business for the sale, and of course, building your family's financial plan. And one thing I want to add is a lot of the individuals and families we work with, their companies tend to be have some sort of private equity funding in them. And they can be the best private equity investor known to man. But when it comes time to sell, oftentimes objectives diverge. And it's important that our clients as the individuals have their bases covered so that this is a fantastic outcome for everybody proportionately, and they've crossed off their own T's and dotted their own I's to ensure that their best interests were addressed. That's ambiguous, <laughs> but uh, we, we could share some stories. Well, after you've kind of gone through that process on on, on deciding whether or not you want to sell or you know some or, or or all of your position, then you move into to phase two, and that's really planning for the actual sale, and that's where you get into the nitty gritty of the wealth transfer planning, income tax planning, and getting an, a better understanding of the valuation of your company and where it could trade. And then modeling those various outcomes in your own personal financial plan. And then, you know, phase three, it's, it's really preparing for what comes next. And that's life after the sale. And according to that. Didn't we have, didn't Paula's group come out with something yeah. in the investor watch? Spoke um, to that. That survey that I was mentioning earlier, you know, 41% the business owners have no idea what they want to do once they walk away from the business. And, and, uh, you know, whether they want to stay involved, they want to start up another business, maybe get involved with a nonprofit or dive into a, a hobby or a passion that they didn't have the time to do when they were working. And so I think the phase three component, it's definitely a, you've got your more quantitative questions out there, like where are you going to get your income? How are you going to sustain the lifestyle that you want to sustain? But when you get into more of the qualitative stuff, like, What's next? You know, what, what am I going to do with my time? You know, you're really what's next? Really, seriously. I mean, it's to, 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 and to, and to think that you're going to work 70, 80 hours or, you know, more a week for the last 20 or 30 years, grinding it out and building this business. And now you've got a pile of money sitting in the bank. And to think you're just going to sit on a porch and do nothing, I think is, is going to be tough. And so that's where, we really look forward to bringing some folks in that have been there and done that and in some cases have gone through some some difficult times afterwards and hopefully be able to provide some perspective for those of you that are contemplating this. And so to conclude things here, you know, Jason, I think, you know, giving people a good overview on what's to come, our goal is to bring in some a combination of business owners out there that are, are raising money that are consulting, you know, startup companies to dealing with private equity investors, venture capitalists. You know, if we can bring in different perspectives at different phases of 
the life cycle. I'm super excited to see see what we're going to do here. Looking forward to it. So this is Josh Pottinger. And Jason Churgianis. And remember, know your options, be informed, and plan early. Until next time. Take care.